You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Would you build a house without a foundation? Would you have a child and not name it? Would you let a stranger squat on your property? No, of course not. So why should the internet be any different? Every week, speak with top domain experts. Learn how to make money with domains. Know your legal rights. Each week, join our expert host to be master of your domain. Right here on Domain Masters. Hello, everyone. Uh, This is Monty Khan. Welcome to the show, Domain Masters. I'm really pumped up uh, for this week's show. We have uh, one of the very best uh, accounting specialists uh, um, on the air tonight. Uh, I know some of you have already filed your taxes, but those that you, those of you that have not and want to know how to handle your domain names, uh, we got uh, a lot of the answers for you. We're going to go over uh, how to structure uh, uh, the businesses around domain names to uh, um, defer and uh, um, help you with your tax liability, and also how to treat domain name sales, domain name appraisals uh, for donation purposes, um, the money you make on domain name traffic monetization and uh, the general structure of, uh, of uh, the organizations of how you should set them up and uh, what works best in your tax benefit and your tax interests. Um, so we'll be speaking with Evan Brody uh, tonight, who happens to be our corporate uh, attorney and uh, a very good, experienced guy. And then uh, we're going to talk to Ray Fassett from um, the, jo- the Dot Jobs Group, uh, Employee Media LLC. They won the bid for the Dot Jobs uh, extension. If everyone will remember, two weeks ago we did a special on the Dot Travel extension, and it was kind of interesting on their approach. And we're going to hear from the folks from Dot Jobs to hear about their process of getting Dot Jobs approved, where they see the market in that area, and um, um, how one goes about registering a Dot Jobs extension, who's it for, how much it's going to cost, when it's going to be available, and all that. And uh, so we're real excited, and uh, we have some uh, 
two huge events coming up next week. Um, uh, both uh, are domain-related gatherings. Uh, one's in Seattle called the Domain Roundtable. I'm sure many of you have heard about it. And the other one is called Traffic West, which is in Vegas. Uh, I'll be at the Traffic West convention uh, and on a panel there speaking about uh, registrars and domain name hijacking and how to prevent it. And uh, my partner, Eric Harrington, and uh, half my other team will be over at, uh, at Domain Name Roundtable and participating in the CEO uh, roundtable discussions and uh, traffic monetization discussions. And the both shows are actually going on at the same time. Um, but they're two domain-related shows, and we're going to do a live uh, broadcast from the Vegas show and interview people at the Seattle show uh, all at the same time. So it should be pretty exciting for next week. So stand by. We're going to pay some bills, do some commercials. I'll be back on with Evan Brody um, from uh, Brody and Associates. So they got pretty good food here, huh? Uh -huh. Listen, I just got a new check from a program I joined. Oh, yeah? What effective CPM are they paying you? Pass the salt. Not sure. They just send me a check, not a detailed breakout. Are you joking? No. There's lots of ways to make money, but you need to be the master of your own destiny. With ValueClick Media, I instantly adopted a national sales force that delivers recognizable ads with high CPM payouts. Mm. Plus, their new interface lets me control the ads I want to run and mm -hmm. tells me how much I earn from each advertisement. Wow. And that's how better. Pass the pepper. Wow. Thanks for the tip. I'm going to give back. ValueClick Media, try. Join the ad network publishers trust most. Apply today at ValueClickMedia.com. There's nothing quite as rewarding as feeling in complete control. To experience this level of power on the web, visit BlowSearch.com. Let us give you, the search engine advertiser, what other engines simply don't. Complete control over your pay-per-click advertising. Blow away your competitors' IPs today and select the sites you want to receive traffic from while accurately tracking your ROI with BlowSearch.com. BlowSearch.com. Finally, pay-per-click search advertising you control. Do you sell a product or service with monster potential in the online market? Then attack the opportunity to turn your dreams into reality. Equipped with flexible e-commerce software from MonsterCommerce.com. You'll possess complete control of your store, including your storefront's design, maintenance of your products, and management of your online orders. And all with the technical support and service. Available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Grow your business today with MonsterCommerce.com. Commercials off. Now back to Domain Masters. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Uh, this is Monty Khan, your host of Domain Masters. Um, um, uh, again, uh, today we're going to have uh, some tax discussions and, uh, and domain and tax discussions with uh, Evan Brody from Brody & Associates. Evan has uh, been our corporate tax uh, um, uh, person for, I don't know, four years now, and probably is the best in the business. He has over 15 years of experience, uh, worked with KPMG and Ernst & Young for about 11 years, started his own, his own business, and basically is a tax guru. And uh, he, um, he has really helped us out as a corporation being in a new uh, business on the Internet and uh, specifically uh, in this domain name-related field and has helped several of our customers uh, in the same area. So uh, Evan's going to talk to us about all kinds of uh, um, um, information about how to set up your corporations and and uh, uh, optimize your tax benefits so that uh, you're doing the right thing. Evan, welcome to the show. 
Oh, thanks, Monty. Appreciate that. Um, let's start off with the first set of questions. Okay, great. And I know you're in a little bit of a time crunch, so um, let's go with the very basics. Uh, a few months back, I had uh, Stephen Lieberman on, um, and we talked about legally legal structures of how to set up corporations uh, to help from a legal perspective and avoid legal, um, you know, legal issues and being sued and how to protect yourself. But really, just as important, if not more important, is how to structure yourself from a corporate standpoint in this domain name business and on the web. And so my very first questions are, how should one set themselves up to avoid um, or, or to, to be at the, uh, at the, you know, the best, uh, in the best situation regarding taxes and uh, uh, how to treat these domain names from a corporate standpoint? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, basically, setting up the entity uh, or operating out of the correct structure is really important as much as coming up with other tax strategies and other ideas. For example, the structure that you create is really going to be the structure that you may live with for the duration of your entity's operation. And each entity is different treated for tax purposes. For example, most people usually use a flow-through entity. Flow-through entities are entities that are not taxed at the corporate level. They're taxed at the individual or the entity that's going to receive that flow-through income or loss. Mm -hmm. uh, first item on the list is a C-corporation. C-corporations usually are not the best for anyone to use their tax, both in the corporation, usually there's a state tax sometimes, and then there's a dividend tax on the way out. So the triple tax usually is not what people run to. Plus, if you're ever going to sell your assets inside of a C-corporation, so let's say you've had a couple assets in there that you've held more than 12 months, and we're going to get into some of these topics hopefully later on about what kind of assets can create a capital gain at 15%, and what assets can create an ordinary income at 35%. Right. And generally speaking, an asset that is ever sold in a C corporation never gets a capital gain rate of 15%. There is no such thing as capital gain in C corporations for that favorable tax treatment. So everything is taxed at ordinary income rates. So the one thing you definitely probably don't want to be is a C corporation. Moving our ways into the other realms, the different other entities would be an LLC and a partnership. Generally, LLCs are limited liability companies, and they avail themselves of pretty good, uh, you know, tax, you know, positions on that as well. The best benefit of an LLC is the fact that if you own 100% of it, or if you have an entity that owns 100% of an LLC without making a Form 8832 election, that entity is disregarded for tax return purposes. So what happens is whatever domain names or other property that you have in a 100% owned LLC it's disregarded for tax purposes and is deemed to be owned by the individual or the entity that owns that. But, of course, you still get the legal liability protection, so you get the best of both worlds. Now, an LLC with more than one member is actually defaulted to a partnership. So a partnership, whether it be an LLC or actually filing as a limited partnership or a general partnership, the connotations associated with that particular entity is that the income derived from those type of operations, what it is basically subject to is a tax called FICA. FICA comprises of both Social Security, which is at 6.2%, and Medicare, which is at 1.45%. The summation of 7.65% is then matched by the employer. Well, oh, if you're also the owner and the employee, you pay 15.3%. So if you're a service entity, which most of the domain, you, you know, both selling, uh, you know, and other, you know, service type of orientation, which is pretty much everything else in the domain world, is going to have this tax that's over and above federal income tax. It's called FICA tax, and that's at 15.3% up to about 90000 And then any income above that 90000 mark, which is indexed each year from inflation, 
is then taxed at another 2.9% for unlimited income, including sales of some of these domain sites. Oh, okay. So, so basically, um, the big buzz was, you know, I got to get an LLC. As a matter of fact, a couple of people in the chat room are saying, yeah, you need to form my LLC. That's really not, may not be the best advice uh, from a corporate structure when you're a domain or own domain names, unless it's wholly owned by another organization. Is that correct? Well, yeah. There's there, there's one item to that too. Is so we have LLCs, we have partnerships, we have unincorporated entities, sole proprietorships, and now we move ourselves into, and we talked about the C corp. But now let's talk about an S-corporation. An S-corporation basically is like a flow-through entity. It doesn't pay tax inside of the entity itself. It pushes that through usually to the individual owner. That entity, an S-corporation, is the only entity that can filter FICA taxes. Now, the IRS is somewhat privy to that, and so what the requirement is is that you pay yourself a reasonable salary from that operation. Once you pay yourself that reasonable salary, all the income over and above that generally is FICA-free. And that's a permanent savings of 2.9%, unlike Social Security that may go into some sort of account for you in the future. Medicare is not a function of what you pay in. It's a function of what you don't have in the future. So any amount that you pay in for that, you know, is not going to really benefit you. So you really want to make sure you pay in what you really truly should pay, and that's your reasonable salary. Right, right. Okay, so um, and then and then are there any other types of creative uh, structures that would work um, uh, best, or is that a, is that the basically it? Usually, it's a, an S corporation is usually the uh, the best structure to filter the service income, and of course that S corporation could in turn own 100% LLCs. So an S corporation filing one tax return could have underneath it as subsidiaries five, six, hundred different LLCs, which get asset protection but then are disregarded and all are treated as if there's one asset in the S-Corp. So there are some ways you can plan with the S-Corp to have its own LLCs and other interests as well. So, uh, But, of course, there are other drawbacks associated with S-Corporations on basis. So if you're a company that loses money you know, and maybe is funding that through loans, you may want to look to you know, a partnership or an LLC structure, at least during the period that you're having losses, because you can receive basis sometimes from the losses that are at least from the loans that are from the companies themselves. Oh, okay. As corporations, you do not. Okay. Okay, great. Well, that's, uh, that's very important because that's the foundation and the structure of uh, how one owns domain names. So those people that own domain names personally and have not incorporated in themselves, they're really uh, subject to the extra taxes then. Extra taxes plus the IRS released some uh, you know, statistical information that you know, when you're unincorporated on a, what they call a Schedule C or a sole proprietorship, the audit ratio, which is really in a, something as a, a, a variable that you really don't take into consideration for tax planning, but just on statistical information, those entities get audited 11 times more than if you were a corporation. Oh, that's an interesting uh, statistic. Yes, that oh. was just released. Oh, wow. Well, uh, and where was that, uh, where was that released? Uh, that was one of the information from one of the conference centers that go on the statistical information on audits on all different types of entities. And the uh, abuse that the IRS sees most, which they have focused most of their audits on, are people that are unincorporated because that seems to be the highest exposure area. Right, right. All right, well, that's, that's great to know. Okay, so now let's move into um, the domain names themselves. And there's several areas in which um, um, we've um, served our customers and also have experienced uh, uh, domain-related um, events, um, which uh, which are related to, you know, in- receiving income. And um, 
there's the basic registration of a domain name and the renewals of those domain names and how those are treated. And then there's um, we go on to how people are monetizing domain names and earning money from those domain names, either through traffic aggregation and monetization or uh, domain name sales and services. And then, of course, donations and donating don- domain names to charity and how those are all treated. Let's go with um, the first step in terms of just the basic registration process of a domain name and how it should be treated in, in terms of taxes in, um, in, you know, in the structure that you recommend. Well, generally speaking, uh, the registration fees are, and renewal fees are an annual type of an expenditure, and annual expenditures are expensed in the year that you incur them, so there usually is not a capitalization requirement for that. Um, other, I guess, realms from that, I guess, would be, a, let's say you acquire you know, a domain name. When you acquire a domain name, that's a little different because that's deemed to be an asset uh, to the IRS that has value that exceeds beyond one year. And uh, generally speaking, those are uh, we consider those Section 1231 assets, which um, are kind of a hybrid, which is really the best treatment that you're going to get out of an asset for the IRS, meaning that if it appreciates and you sell it, in general you'll get capital gain at 15%. If you sell it at a loss, you'll get an ordinary loss. So it, uh, there's some recapture rules, but generally speaking, those are how you treat those two items. Okay, so um, so the the actual annual renewal fees is just an annual fee, yeah. and it's treated that way. But if you sold it for a profit, it's it's then a capital gain event at fifteen percent. Yes, and the difference of what you bought it for to what you sold it for, I guess, is is equated in that in that uh, transaction. Exactly. Okay. Now, um, moving on to making money on domain names. So, let's say I own domain names. I'm not selling it, but I'm I'm now monetizing my assets. I'm turning all the traffic over to uh, pay-per-click advertising, and I'm making money on them. Or let's say somebody's paying me to use my domain name as a lease, or so, and and so on. How how is that treated? Well, generally speaking, uh, income is recognized um, on the basis of accounting that the individual utilizes, whether it be a cash receipts methodology or an accrual methodology. Um, so what happens is they pick it up first as they uh, have their general method of accounting, and uh, it's, if it's cash and they get money, they pick it up that year. If it's uh, you know an accrual, they pick it up in the year that it accrues, and accruals, which is not necessarily always the best way to go, Accrual method taxpayers, if they receive cash, sometimes on prepaid services, will have to pick that up in income under Section 4, I think it's 481 or 461, earlier than uh, they had accrued it. Okay. Okay, great. And, um, okay, and so... um... So if somebody, so if you're earning money from that, either through somebody leasing a property from you, or basically you're receiving money from companies that are having you fill a W nine out, which are paying you a monthly income based off of the use of your domain name, that's how that's treated. That's correct. It's income uh, when earned. Okay. Now, um, how about um, appraising domain names and establishing an asset value? How can that be used either for or against you um, in terms of, uh, of of taxes? So. Let's say I have uh, I have a domain name and uh, I'm going to get it appraised to establish an asset value so that I have a um, you know a net worth of a certain amount, um, or even to the point where I'm going to donate that domain name um, to charity. Uh, for example, a couple years ago uh, we were responsible for repra- appraising the domain name uh, Holocaust.org, and it went to the Shoah Foundation after Schindler's List was uh, you know out as the movie. And uh, my client was able to uh, get over a million dollar, uh, um, you know, tax credit for that domain name. How is that all treated? Okay, um, valuations for your current assets really is just something that you may present to a bank. It doesn't really have any tax implications. But on your uh, question regarding a charitable contribution, 
uh, you're right on the numbers with that. Basically speaking is that if you're going to donate property, and this is now a general rule, not anything specifically to domain sites at all, but if you're going to donate property, and the property is what they consider to be um, not inventory, so you've held it and it's appreciated, either it's what they call 1231 assets, meaning that's an asset that you've maintained in your company, or in this case here where someone just had this domain, you know, let's say this domain name, and I'm going to make the assumption that they've held on to that site for at least 12 months or more. And if you held on to that for more than 12 months, the rule basically is this. And again, let me go back a little bit of that $5,000 mark. The $5,000 mark, again, is a requirement for any contributions of property that's not obviously a cash or check. And anytime it's over $5,000, the IRS requires an independent appraisal to be done on that just to quantify that amount to be what it is. And so now that quantifies the deduction. Now, the question is, how do you get to that deduction? The fair market value necessarily is not the deduction amount. So the deduction first goes off of what the fair market value is minus what ordinary income that would have been generated on the sale of that had you sold it to a third party. So if you've held on to it for more than 12 months, and it's a 1231 asset for your company, then the full fair market value is deductible. And the escape, that portion that would be the appreciation escapes tax. Of course, there's what they call a 30% AGI limitation, meaning that that deduction cannot exceed more than 30% of the total income on your personal tax return. Nevertheless, any amount over that is carried forward to another year. Normal deductions are charitable organizations under, say, a 501c3 is a 50%, so it's not like anything substantial. But, of course, you do have that limitation, and most important, you escape tax on the appreciation. How many years can you, um, can you flow that through? Um, let's say it's something of, of extreme value. Let's say it's over $100,000 and you've donated it. Um, sure. Charitable contributions that, in our example, let's say had a 30% AGI limitation, where when I say someone had, you know, you know, $100,000 of income, and then they donated, uh, you know, an asset, you know, for, you know, also let's say $100,000 as well. So the first year in year one, you take that 100000 that's your total income on your, say, your personal return, times that by 30% means that $30,000 of the $100,000 is deductible that year, and the remaining $70,000 would be carried forward with the same limitations applying that year with five years being the period that you have to utilize it or you lose it. I see. I see. Okay, so it can really, really work to your benefit if you're looking for uh, a way to, do, to decrease the amount of uh, taxes you have to pay if you want to donate a domain name to your church or to a charity or, or, or what have you. Yeah, and then there's all these other special rules now. I'm going through an asset that's been held by a domain company that was used in their primary trader business, let's say on web trafficking, et cetera, et cetera. If there was an entity that instead, you know, held these out for sale, you know, whether it be on an auction or that's just part of their business of doing that, those are considered inventory. Inventory doesn't get that great step up to fair market value on the charitable contribution. Instead, what they do is they give you the fair market value as your deduction, but they say, okay, whatever ordinary income would have been generated from this, you reduce that you know, contribution. Effectively, it brings you right down to your cost basis. And there are some exceptions to the rule. And if you were like a C-Corp, which, again, I would never recommend, but by some chance you were, and you donated this inventory, to say to maybe like um, you know, there's, some, there's a special rule dealing with elementary schools and secondary schools. You get your cost basis plus one half of the profits. So oh. that applies there. And also, if you were donating equipment, maybe you had old antiquated equipment on your side, but maybe it could be used, you know, by an elementary school or secondary school. That one, you get a favorable treatment as well. 
Okay, great. And and now now we talked about a scenario if the domain name was owned more than twelve months. What if it's under twelve months? What if I've only owned the domain name for six months? Yes, the uh, that what happens is any of the gain that would be treated as not being long term capital gain, it, which is then any short term items is an ordinary income. And then what you do is you have to reduce the gain, or I should say the donation, by any ordinary income that you would recognize. So if you had this asset less than 12 months and you paid, say, 30000 for it and you were trying to get a 100000 fair market value deduction, you would be limited only to 30000 for short term. I see. I so see. For 12 months, it'd go to 100. Oh, okay. Okay. So it might be an advantage to hold it instead of donate it early. That's, uh, uh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it would be on that notation, yes. Okay, so uh, one other important issue we, we should cover then is how you, uh, uh, you know, just about domain names and amortization and depreciation and how you treat that year sure. after year. So so uh, I, have a, I have a domain name inventory. Um, how does one go about treating depreciation and amortization um, of my website assets? Well, the first item you mentioned was inventory in there. Uh, the one item that's associated with inventory is that, in general, it's not depreciable unless you were selling, uh, you know, airline engines, which is a special case for me. But circling back around to this one, anything that you're holding out for sale to for customers cannot have any amortization nor depreciation associated with it. Okay. Only the ones that, let's say, you purchased a domain site, let's say you purchased it for $150,000 and you were using it to monetize traffic flow, that one you would amortize. Again, we, we amortize that over 15 years. There are some special rules that if you did fall into like a research and development kind of, of criteria, that we could maybe move it into, let's say, 60 months or 36 months, but that comes with some very, you know, um, substantial research and development connotations with that. So in general, it's 15 years. Okay, so 15 years. Yes. And, um, um, and how do you list that on the tax form? Is it listed as normal property? Um, well, it would be a Section 1231 property. Uh, again, this would be one that is not inventory, that you're using it for monetization of traffic flow. Uh, in that situation, it would just be a, like a, a thick, you can put under the fixed asset side of the equation. You can put under the intangibles. We're somewhat indifferent. We would probably move more to the intangible side of the equation, and then we amortize that again over 15 years. Okay. Okay. All right, so we covered a lot in a short period of time. Um, is there anything I'm missing here uh, that can help the audience out? What are a couple things that, uh, that some, some of the folks can walk away with uh, in terms of stuff they didn't know before? I mean, we already talked about how to best set you up from a corporate structure, and a lot of people thought an LLC was the best idea, but really it's not. It's more uh, probably an S-Corp. Yeah, the S-Corp generally is the way to go. Um, you know, the key thing is this. You know, if you're doing a lot of research and development and you know, and you're designing your websites with, uh, you know, pure, let's say maybe uh, the Cobalt or one of the real languages, not the HTML, you may be able to get into the R&D side and have your, you know, purchase price amortized over, you know, a very short duration. Um, you know, as we talked about, the structure of the entity is extremely important uh, to, you know, keep that, you know, the right uh, entity structure in the onset. Um, and generally speaking, uh, you know, one of the things, since we did talk about charitable contributions, don't donate something that has a loss, inherent loss onto it. So if you have an, something, let's say a domain that you purchased for 150 and its fair market value is only coming in at 90, you probably want to sell that asset versus donating it because your donation isn't going to be the 150, it'll be the 90. So those are some of the, you know, short and sweet items just to go through in this, in this very, I guess, confined time constraint period that we have here. Okay, and um, one of the questions that's coming up is, um, 
What about domain names that are um, uh, that there's plans for development on? How are the how can those be treated? So I'm buying uh, domain names or I'm registering them, and my plan is to develop them into websites, but I haven't uh, quite done it yet. Oh, good question. And that's a very uh, that's a that's a trap sometimes too. And I'm, I'm glad that was brought up. If you actually have um, a, you know a, a website or something that was more self created, and it falls under let's say a copyright or something that you were looking to um, to, to make it uh, protected in that capacity, and again, self-created copyright and other type of uh, trademark type of website domain assets actually have an ordinary income component to it because it's what they call self-created. So you, that's one thing you just want to you know be careful on. Otherwise, um, if you're just you know purchasing a domain and kind of spicing it up a little bit without going through something that would deem to be self-created, it's capital gain if you hold on to it for the course twelve months or more. Okay, one last question. Sure. How about how do you amortize um, uh, a, a domain name that's, um, that has plans for development? Well, the first thing is, in order to start amortization, generally the asset has to be uh, placed in service. So if you're still in a quasi, you know, you know in-service mode where you're just in development phases, you're really not uh, you know, supposed to be amortizing the asset until it is placed in service. So if it is on an ongoing project and you're, you know, continuing that effort, you know, you really get, need to finish it and then you can amortize it. Okay, great. All right, Evan, I really appreciate it. I'm going to, if it's uh, with your permission, I'm going to uh, let everybody know your email address in case there's any additional questions. I'm going to post it up in the chat room. Sure. And, again, Evan um, is, a, is a, a definite guru in the, in, the, in, the, in the realm of taxes and how to treat domain names and these types of assets. So if any of you have any questions, uh, his email address is evan, E-V-A-N, at irshelp.net. And um, um, I'm sure he'll welcome any kind of emails and questions that he has. He's a busy man, but um, he'll do, a, do me a favor. Evan, thanks a lot for taking the time tonight. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully those that haven't filed their taxes yet, they can change their corporate structure and get, uh, get the best tax benefit. You got it, Monty. Okay, thanks a lot, Evan. Hey, take care. We're going to break for a quick commercial, a couple commercials, and uh, be on with Ray Facet from the Dot Jobs Group. Uh, hang tight. A rose by any other name would still be the same. Shakespeare. You need to differentiate yourself from your competition. Do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of Jupiter Media, the NHL, and Lionsgate Films, among others. Moniker.com is the most secure ICANN-accredited register on the planet, offering you domain registration, hosting, domain sales, and acquisition services. Wrap that up with 24-7 support. That's your winning combination. M-O-N-I-K-E-R.com. More than a name. Attention webmasters. Wish you could convert more web traffic into cash? No need to rub a lamp. Just click on GenieKnows.com. Install a co-branded search box on your site or incorporate paid listings XML into search results. And at your command, GenieKnows.com pays cash for each result your users click on. Enjoy prompt payment and superior customer service. Earn even more through our co-branded referral program. GenieKnows has delivered results. G-E-N-I-E-K-N-O-W-S.com. Proud sponsor of the Webmaster World. Contrary to what your mother told you, you cannot be all things to all people. You can, however, focus on your primary business and ensure your success by outsourcing technical projects to a company who is forward-thinking, solutions-oriented, and works as a complete extension of your organization. No need to do it over and over again. SRK Consulting can develop integrated automation programs, programming in most major languages and operating systems. SRKConsulting.com, making sure your mother is all Always proud. 
commercials off. Now back to Domain Masters. Hello, welcome back, everybody. Monty Khan. Uh, God, that was great. That was a lot of packed information in a short period of time. Uh, I'm glad that Devin covered uh, all the different uh, corporate structures, what works best. And, of course, those of you that uh, have uh, uh, didn't catch everything that he said, the archives are available on moniker.com and on uh, webmasterradio.fm. So uh, you can listen to it and uh, mark down all the pointers and give the pointers to your uh, tax accountants as well in case they don't know how to treat things. Uh, my next guest uh, is Ray Fassett. He's the Vice President for Employee Media, LLC. If you guys will remember, I had um, uh, the folks on from Dot Travel uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, I plan on having um, Ray and uh, his gang on at the same time to talk about all the new extensions that have been approved. Uh, there's a lot of questions out there on uh, on how to get these extensions. Are they going to be valuable? Is it something I'm allowed to register? And uh, and um, what the costs are going to be when it's going to be available? So Ray's uh, on the phone right now, I believe. Uh, Ray, welcome to the show. Be here. Hey, how are you? Very good. Good, good. So, Ray, uh, the dot jobs approval came through, I guess, uh, a couple months ago. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, Dot Travel was pretty excited to get their uh, initiative through uh, since it took a couple years. How long? Um, how long did you guys uh, uh, work on getting dot jobs approved? Actually, we we started the process of documenting the business plan and putting the pieces together back in 2000. Wow! So it's been a pretty long process it's, then. It's been a long process. Um, <clears throat> We finally had the RFP posted by ICANN in December of 2003, and we were ready and filed in March of 2004. And about a month or so ago, we got the final approval as part of the meetings in Argentina. Great. Yep. Great. So tell us who uh, .jobs is for. .jobs has been created to serve the HR community. Uh, uh, Simply put, uh, a restricted format uh, that goes by company name dot jobs. So if you're a company or an employer organization, better put, you can register your company name and dot jobs to use that in promotional um, uh, literature that you use to communicate the job seekers to where to find the jobs page. Okay, so like uh, recruiters, um, employment agencies, um, 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 all those. Yeah, if you're tasked to uh, find people for uh, jobs, then dot jobs is for you. Okay, and is there a restriction process in terms of uh, do I have to have a? I mean, can anyone go and protect their own identity in a job a dot jobs extension, even if they're not a um, an HR related company? Um, you have to be an employer organization. That that's that's a restriction. So individuals would would not be registering in dot jobs, but companies. Uh, that employ people would be registering in dot jobs, and we do a validation process to ensure that the company that is requesting the registration that the name matches that company. Okay, so so like moniker, I wouldn't be able to cover my just cover my uh, my basis by co- covering myself and and registering moniker dot jobs if I'm not an employer employer type company. That's right. If you're if you're uh, if you don't have available or, or or if you don't hire people or have employment. Uh, positions, then uh, um, you would not need to register in in dot jobs. Okay, great. Um, okay, so so when will the the dot jobs uh, uh, extension be available on the internet? And what are the details in terms of costs and uh, and how one goes about about uh, registering it? Uh, we're launching in phases. 
uh, it's a new product to the Internet, and it, as you know, it's familiar with the domain name uh, industry, there are uh, you know issues to deal with in terms of a launch, and we're trying to be as conscientious as we can to that. Uh, the, the first phase of the launch, we're targeting this uh, on or around the middle of June, would be a, a trade name period. Uh, and this simply provides companies um, the ability to... Uh, re, you know, reserve their name without feeling they have to have a land rush effect or be first to register. If there are two companies that have the same name, uh, one one doesn't benefit over the other during this uh, window of time to be the first to submit. So that that period we're looking to launch somewhere around the middle of June to last about 60 days. Uh, and at the close of that period, we will announce if there are if there is what's called contention. In other words, more than one company that was the identical company name has applied for that name. Uh, we will announce the results of that at the end of the 60 days. And then we're targeting the first come, first serve period with the, with, uh, the live back in with VeriSign right around uh, the middle of September on or about uh, as best we can tell right now. Okay, so so the verification process to, mm-hmm. to just validate whether you're a jobs-related company, how are you guys going through that screening again? Uh, we're using a, a functionality called Pending Create. And different than in, in the world of some other TLDs such as ComNet or Biz or Info, we have uh, a delay. So using the shared registry system, uh, end users would go through a registrar, submit for their company name. It would, it would be submitted then to the registry, but in a pending status. <clears throat> Employee Media, our role there in terms of compliance would be to validate that request that is sitting at the registry and once we are able to validate that, we send a, a command to the registry to create. So there is a, there's a delay. It's not real-time registration. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a delay. You guys go through your own verification process, which I guess is, um, you know, validating you through, uh, like we had the dot .travel guys on. They uh, they use a kind of a combination structure of a, a current um, travel agency database and, and DNB and um, uh, DUNS uh, numbers to validate and verify that there, there's, in fact, a, a legal corporation there in their industry. Right, um, is it the same type of process, then? It, it, it's a little different. We, we require the end user, the, the company, to provide us a document that shows that that, that it is their company name. Uh, could be a shareholder document, an annual filing, uh, really, really anything um, uh, that's that's formal or, or of their own to send to us that we can verify that the person making their request is is representing the company they're re- requesting the name for. Okay. So that, that's what the that's what the process is during the delay time from when the request is first submitted to when we give the command to create. Okay. Okay. So we covered the validation process. We covered um, the registration restrictions. Um, what? Uh, so is any registrar going to be allowed to offer this to um, human resource related companies? Uh, any ICANN accredited registrar. A- any ICANN, because uh, yeah. again, with the, just to do some comparisons, the dot travel guys are not allowing companies that resell domain names to offer dot travel, which was kind of interesting. So um, they they were kind of controlling on a reseller basis. Um, if a company was a reseller, like Two Cows, for instance, uh, would not be allowed to offer dot travel because they are a reseller and, not, no and such, not an actual provider to the end consumer. No, we we have no such restriction in that regard. Okay, great. 
Um, so what's the cost going to be? Um, how, uh, how, how's the annual cost going to pan out, and what do you get for the cost? For instance, in the dot travel scenario, uh, they had a cost and it included some kind of a, um, more or less a kind of a directory listing mm-hmm. uh, from a search standpoint. Is there a similar process involved with the dot jobs listing? Uh, we're not we're not looking at at that at the moment in terms of offering it as part of the registration. We're we're simply offering what is commonly known in the in the TLD industry, which is domain name resolution. That is the product, uh, the company name dot jobs to resolve on the internet. Uh, the the unit cost um, is ninety dollars wholesale, and uh, it's, up, it's up to the retailer. The retailer can mark it up or or do what they do on the retail end. It is completely on their own. Okay, so so uh, the cost to registrars uh, will be ninety dollars. That's correct. I see. And so then we have to mark it up to our um, to our end users uh, to how we how we can uh, justify um, that business. Uh, right, and and sell multiple years, or it's really not you know our area to dictate to the the reseller network how they want to sell. But the the wholesale cost is ninety dollars and uh, covers the validation process and all that. We handle all of the validation. Okay. So we, we are not burdening or don't wish to burden the registrars with that part of the registration process. Okay. Now, um, what about reserve lists? Um, dot uh, biz and dot info uh, didn't allow any two-letter extensions to be reserved. Uh, dot travel is holding reservations on generic travel terms such as travel, uh, um, hotel, those types of things. What is jo- dot jobs restricting, and what are they um, what are they not restricting? Well, we're, we're certainly following some of the ICANN policies on that, and that includes the two-letter and single-character uh, registrations. that definitely all be reserved. All country names will be reserved. Uh, and uh, in addition, we will be reserving um, categories that, in fairness to the entire HR industry, w- would not be fair for one party to get what, what would, could be an appealing registration. And let me give you an example, such as nursing. Okay, nursing.jobs. Mm-hmm. It's not fair for one party to have that particular registration. So we will be reserving uh, all the occupational, uh, many occupational categories, um, uh, many uh, geographic categories. And, and really the spirit behind that is it gets back to our model, which is company name.jobs. That's, that's the idea for .jobs being launched into the marketplace. Uh, and and we are using reserve list to keep to that spirit. So so generic terms. So it's a similar process. You're gonna you're gonna kind of hold back generic terms that are that. How how are you using? How are you um, analyzing what should be reserved? I mean, what if the name of my company is Nursing Inc. Or what if I'm nursing? What if I'm nursing magazine and I serve the job? You know, the job community in the nursing field. Well, I, I would I, not be entitled to the, the domain name nursing.jobs. Well, I believe what you just said is the name of your company is Nursing Magazine, and the 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 spirit of dot jobs is for the registration to be Nursing Magazine dot jobs. Okay, and is there a place that people can go to find out what names would be reserved so that they um, they know what would be off limits, or is it kind of like uh, test how you go? Is there a link that would show what names would be held back? Uh, there probably will be, and I'm sorry I don't have a definite answer to that, but there probably will be. I mean, certainly when, when the names are requested, we're, we're not allowing them for sale, so we're, we're not going to put consumers through the, the agony of uh, you know, buying something they think they can buy and, and then find out they can't. Uh, so, so there likely will be uh, lists published uh, for that purpose.
And then geographical location. So, so forget about the general terms in terms of uh, industry uh, general terms, but let's say it's, um, you know, uh, U.S. dot job. So people, oh, not U.S., but that's a bad example because it's, it's a, it's mm-hmm. a, how about America dot jobs or stuff like that, um, geographical terms. Would those also be held back? Well, I think, again, we've got to look back to the spirit of, of dot jobs. And it, uh, chances are, if, if you're asking for America, your, your company name is, is America Inc. or America LLC or America something. So the spirit of dot jobs again is the company name dot dot jobs. If there there's going to be multiple companies out there that might think they should have America. Okay. Okay. And 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 it's just not fair for one company to to have America and the and the other and the others not. So the the idea here is to reserve a word such as America uh, as opposed to one party getting benefit over all the other companies that might have the word America in their name too. Right. Right. <clears throat> Okay, so um, um, how about structure and st- stability? Um, the Jot Travel guys, are, I think, are going with the new level platform, which is the same platform that registers .biz and .us. Uh, uh, as you know, .org and .info are on the same platform. What is Jot Jobs using in the background? Uh, we're using what we uh, consider to be the world leader uh, in domain name resolution and TLD operations. We're using VeriSign, the, okay. the operators of .com and .net. Uh, amongst a few CCTLDs that they operate as well. We are going into the name store platform um, and uh, should have that piece in place. Hopefully we're shooting for Q3 of 05. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, we, we're a name store customer, so we'll have that available then, I guess, through name store. Mm-hmm. And what um, what is the role of the Society for Human Resource Management um, and how they play in the dot jobs uh, um, scenario here? Uh, the SHRM, Society for Human Resource Management, their role is policy administrator for dot jobs. And what does that mean? <clears throat> that basically means that it, it can't be expected that dot jobs is going to stay static only for the reason that the Internet itself is not going to stay static. It's going to continue to evolve, and dot jobs is going to evolve as well. Uh, what SHRM's role is is to help dot jobs evolve in a manner that always looks to represent the best interests of the community. And, and SHRM is a nonprofit uh, organization, the largest of its kind, with over 200,000 uh, HR members. And they play the role where I can, uh, could feel comfortable in delegating certain policy responsibilities in the launch of uh, this TLD. And, and Sherm's role is to oversee policy uh, uh, for dot jobs in, for the foreseeable future. And and uh, going back to the VeriSign question, uh, just to clarify, because uh, um, uh, as we know, the the other extensions are on an EPP platform, and the dot com dot net are soon to go on an EPP platform. Dot jobs will be on an EPP platform. Yes, EPP one point through the through the name store. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, anything else we need to know about dot jobs? Uh, in terms of getting geared up for it, well, we're we're very excited about the launch of Dot Jobs. We're we're moving fast here to uh, get the trade name period up and running. Uh, we're actively talking with registrars now, and if any registrars would like to contact me, please do so at rfacet at employeemedia.com. Uh, we're excited to talk to you about Dot Jobs. We want to get this up and running. Right. Well, we'll be in touch with you about that too. Now. Um, uh, the 
the uh, dot jobs platform again will be out third quarter of uh, of this year, right? Yes, that's what we're targeting. Okay, so this year, um, third quarter, and uh, um, it sounds pretty exciting. Um, the um, the backing behind the 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 your your company that's supporting this effort, um, I assume that's a solid foundation. It's going to be around for quite a while. Yes, I think so. I think um, the 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 people involved with Dot Jobs are are veterans of the uh, FCC licensing arena, television stations, radio stations. Uh, they understand the the concept and the depth and the caretaker role of, of owning, uh, for in, in, in that case, in the FCC world, licenses, where you know, radio stations just don't go dark, TV stations don't go dark. Um, and uh, they have that thorough understanding of the responsibility of operating a TLD. Uh, as a management team, we understand that role. We understand the obligation that has been uh, put upon us. Uh, very appreciative as well. And... Um, I can't stress enough that uh, we, we kind of know what we're getting into here. Right. Hey, uh, one, one question I wanted to ask. Um, um, have you got any kind of pre-orders from some of the companies like Monster, uh, for instance, and Hot Jobs and those to register their domain names in the .jobs format? And do you, do you have any commitment from them to move over to that extension, or are they going to stay as a .com company? Uh, I think you're referring to some job, some, some larger-name job board players in the marketplace. Are you referring mostly to those? Yeah, or, you know, like uh, Monster.com now, would, would they, um, they, they obviously would have the right to go, uh, to go register Monster.jobs. Sure. And uh, even though it's more of a generic term, but that is the name of their business. That's correct. And, um, of course, um, you know, the other job-related businesses. Have you received any pre-commitments uh, from any of those players that would say, hey, we like what you're doing here, we will be, you know, not only registering our domain name, but actually leading with that extension uh, and moving our platform over there? Have you had that kind of commitment yet from anyone? Yeah. Uh, I, I would venture to say thousands. Since, thousands. Since, eight, since April 8th, when um, the news hit the press, We've we've had thousands contact us wanting to register their company name dot jobs. Right, right. But I mean, for example, would Monster dot com be not only registering? Would they be using it as a website? Would they be using the dot jobs platform as a as a as a website? Uh, in the Monster example, they we have um, not had communications with them or Monster like companies. You know, the larger players. Sure. Yeah, we've had we've had players, large players in the in the e-recruiting marketplace, contact us wanting to use Dot Jobs as their primary brand identity. Absolutely. Okay, great. All right. Well, Ray, it was a real pleasure having you on. Uh, we're real excited about the new extension, and um, uh, it does take a lot of commitment and time and energy to get uh, get a new extension passed through ICANN. And um, you know, it's a Obviously, it's a supply and demand issue, and it sounds like with these these vertical market efforts um, for um, you know the human resource side of the market and the travel side and uh, and so forth uh, do have application. And it sounds like it's going to have a unique offering, and I think it's going to be successful. Well, I really appreciate it, Monty. We've got our work cut out for us, and we're very much looking forward in working cooperatively with registrars, getting this up and running. It's not going to be easy. So it's going to take a lot of cooperation, and I can't tell you how much we're looking forward to it. Great, great. Well, thanks for your time, Ray. Really appreciate it, and we'll, of course, be in touch as a registrar to help uh, support the effort and offer the extensions uh, across our registrar. Thank you, Monty. Appreciate it. All right, everyone, uh, so that uh, basically winds up the show. Again, I just wanted to remind everybody, next week we'll be broadcasting live. I'll be in Las Vegas, so I'll be doing the show live from Las Vegas at Traffic West. 
Uh, there's a gathering of 200 folks there. The biggest domainers in the world will be there for the t- the Traffic West Conference, which will be in Las Vegas. Uh, you can see the uh, format of that show and the conference schedule at targetedtraffic.com. Uh, they have a show in Vegas uh, next week, and then another show in the fall in October in Delray Beach, Florida, right up the right up the road from us here. And also at the same time, which is the 24th through the 27th, will be the Domain Roundtable uh, in Seattle. And uh, there's uh, close to 300 uh, domainers gathering in Seattle. And um, I'm going to be calling uh, Eric Harrington, my partner. We're going to get some interviews with uh, some top domain companies, some uh, some traffic aggregation companies, and talking about both conferences, the, the impact they're having on the industry, and what's going on at each of the conferences. It'll be at the beginning of the show format at both shows. So uh, a lot of the juicy stuff will come uh, uh, the next couple days afterwards, but we'll cover it in the next week after that as well and do a recap of both shows. Uh, so uh, it'll be fun to join us. Again, I want to thank everybody for listening. If you have any feedback or input on tonight's show or any other shows and some of the topics you'd like to hear, as a matter of fact, the IRS focus tonight was, uh, and the tax focus was uh, from suggestions made by um, listeners uh, to talk about how domain names should be handled in taxes. So I try to uh, put out a format that's of interest to you guys. And uh, so keep the feedback coming. I'm in all the domain forums, and uh, my email is monte, M-O-N-T-E, at moniker.com come and uh, shoot me an email and I'll be uh, I'll do my best to try to get your topics and your questions on as much as I can. We will see you next week. Be the master of your domain on Domain Masters. <laughs>